The Y Curve with Phil Dobby and Roger Hearing. Remember Ukraine? The biggest land war in Europe since 1945? The conflict that defined the power rivalry of the 21st century? Tens of thousands dead and billions spent on the latest weaponry to hold back Vladimir Putin. Our attention turned to the Gaza fighting, but where have things got to in Ukraine? There are mentions of stalemate, suggestions that the US, facing multiple crises and entering an election year, would like to push President Zelensky into a negotiated peace, that this is now an unwinnable war. Is that true? Where are the front lines now and can Kiev win back the land that Moscow took? What's next for Ukraine? The why? So there was a a YouGov survey uh, which came into my inbox uh, in the last week that showed that people in Britain think no side has the advantage in this war. Only 9% think Ukraine has the advantage. I mean, but there again, what what are people filling in YouGov surveys? I was going to say, it may not be the the most reliable measure. In the same email, there was a bit about, you know, how many middle-class people like sourdough bread. Right, yeah. So, yeah, maybe we we can dismiss that. you might have to adjust some of your perspective. Maybe, but, I mean, it does does seem like, you know, from what we're picking up, no one is winning this war. Well, the, the word stalemate has certainly been put around, and this is what we need to sort of find out. Is, is Have we got to the stage where, actually, this is a frozen conflict, where, you know, people throw missiles at each other, but no one really gains any ground, and it just goes on forever? Because the awful truth is that the Europeans and the US and Britain, who've been really backing Ukraine are feeling their resources mm. are not necessarily achieving what they want. Yeah. Um, but of course, the issue is with Vladimir Putin. Can you allow this man to take land, entirely illegal war, and hang on to it? Um, well, I mean, being cynical about it all, the only reason a politician like a UK politician, for example, would be supporting it is because they see mileage in it yeah. domestically. Oh, yeah. And if it's not front and focus of the news here, then there's less reason to be so supportive. But also the narrative, don't forget, in in the first year or so of the war was very much plucky little Ukraine Mm. fighting back, pushing back, heroically defending. And I mean, it still is. And it definitely is the case. But it's not quite the narrative of a dynamic narrative that that, that was there that Boris Johnson attached himself to. And and is it a false hope? So, you know, Mm. I'm reading bits saying that maybe Zelensky hasn't got the support domestically now either because people feel as though he has you know it's an all or nothing war as far as he's mm. concerned and uh, perhaps you know people in the military and the you know, citizens are starting to say well you know maybe that's not going to be achievable well the price is so high this is the thing mm. i was talking to a ukrainian friend a couple of days ago uh, who lives here and he, he says he's lost eight friends mm. in the last few months so mm. there are, because everybody has signed up so many people you know not, not just ordinary soldiers but people who signed up altogether to go and fight and many of the course are dying, and you're, yeah. you're you're taking out a great tranche of huge talent, really, because of the fighting goes on. Yeah, just how far would you go? How much would you fight for your country? How, how, I, mean, I wonder. I mean, it's a good question to ask ourselves. So, if Britain was invaded well, and you could go and chuff off to somebody somewhere else, would you stay and fight, or would you be on the first uh, British Airways fly down to Australia? <laughs> and if we were, being I'm not led... going to answer that because well, I don't I want to lose say, half our audience. No, no, I think, and, and I think, I think we all know which way you'd go <laughs> pretty rapidly. In fact, yeah. you may even be. Put Purchasing your ticket now, but no, I mean it's it's a key question because I mean this war is is about so much more than Ukraine itself. It's mm. about the whole confrontation between the kind of government that Vladimir Putin leads, allied with Iran and indeed China, and the rest who still cling on to the idea of liberal democracy and all that that stands for. And you know this is a clash of ideologies. 
Who's going to win? And a liberal democracy seems like quite a nice thing to hang on to, doesn't it? You I would think? Remember early on, you know, that the question was, if we let Putin win this, what would he do next? Mm. Would he go to Finland, for example? You know, so, I mean, there's, uh, you know, there's, I've read pieces saying, yeah. well, maybe that's going to be next, you know, because it gives what Crimea gave him, you know, yeah. it gives him a freshwater port. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's very sea, different in the sense. Fresh water, yeah. uh, ice-free port, I should yeah. say. Not a, not a freshwater port. Uh, <laughs> where he can, yeah. where, you know, so he's, yes. he's, he's got more free trade with the rest of the but, world. But, but it's very different. So one of the things with Crimea is it had a fairly substantial, has a fairly substantial population who identifies Russian. Hmm. So it wasn't, he wasn't pushing it that closed a door yeah. in terms of that, let alone, obviously, uh, in international legitimacy. But, but... And I think there is different, but mm. nonetheless, the lesson is given. If if this ends in a negotiation and Putin hangs on to bits of Ukraine that he's taken, power, force works. If you hang yeah. on to it long enough, the West gets bored and moves on. Yeah, then he waits five years and decides what he's going to do next. Absolutely. Well, but anyway, let's mm. talk to someone who's studied this and knows a lot about it. In fact, is indeed Ukrainian himself. And uh, that's Igor Chebetun, who is a doctoral researcher in security at Sumy State University in Ukraine. Actually, currently, he's in Chicago and he joins us now. Well, Igor, we are seeing less and less about what is happening in Ukraine. So bring us up to speed. Where exactly are we now militarily? In describe with one statement, uh, shortage of everything, of everything, shortage of everything. And we don't see this uh, gaining of this amount of uh, the decent amount of armory and resources <clears throat> even to save these territories. That we have for now, for this day. Right. So, because so because of that, are things going backwards? Then is Ukraine losing some of the territory that it's perhaps gained? Uh, Ukraine is not or regained. For now, say. Ukraine can remain these territories. So, it's, it's for now, again, but we don't see that amount of uh, weapon and support that we used to have. So, right now, it goes down. So that's why. So, so you're saying there's not so much weapons coming in from the West, is that right? Yeah, that's correct. Shortage of everything, not just weapon, but also just regular vehicles. So that's the reason. And when we look at where the forces are now, Ukraine has a front line um, in in obviously all along. Is there a sense that Ukraine is gaining territory in any way, or is it static? Is it not moving? No, we're at a stalemate. I, I don't. I don't believe in that. I, I just count in the mathematics and uh, just numbers. I don't see these numbers. So Zaluzhny is a, a head commander. He demanded 500 tanks for for starting moving forward. He be, he was given the less than 300, 700 uh, artillery. He was given 300 something. So everything less. Than this is a Ukrainian commander. Yeah, yes? he's the main commander. Yeah, General Zaluzhny. So he got everything less. Uh, North Korea delivered to Russia bad quality shells, but anyway, one million shells. Maybe it goes, still goes like to that number, but anyway, close to one million in a very short term. West, less than three hundred thousand shells. Third part, but we were promised with a one million, which, which Russia is getting. So, so Igor, clearly not enough is getting through. But what is the consequence? So, the, where the troops are, are they moving forward at all, or are they just? Staying where they are. Because the reason I mentioned about a stalemate was staying where they are, yeah, because Zaluni was interviewed by The Economist this this last week, and he talked about a stalemate. He said it was only going to be broken now by some sort of technological breakthrough, you know, like we saw in the First and Second World War. If we don't see that sort of breakthrough, which we're not going to see, then we are going to be stuck with where we are. Yeah, for example, uh, drone war. So we were in front of that, like, uh, in front of that uh, invasion, I would say. So we started moving, 
we invented new concept of war with the drones. Drones were made it with just handmade uh, whatever you have in the hands, no material. But right now, Russia presented helicopter. Russia presented new concept of drones, and the the, the amount of these drones are huge. So we are not in front in uh, I, in technology right now. So that's why we are staying. So what does that mean? Does does that mean that? From now until perhaps early next year, because obviously the weather isn't good there either, the front lines will stay where they are. Well, yeah, it's not kind of the weather. Not at all. For example, uh, the south the south part, uh, where the, close to Crimea, we can move and actually it's pretty clear. And also not just this, ter- this territory can be used in the winter time, but also close to uh, Avdiivka, the Donetsk region. Uh, right now, Ukrainian troops can have access, has ability, potential ability to go on the roads because there is some Avdiivka, which is almost like under the siege. It's under Ukraine right now, but uh, it's surrounded. So this key city can be used as a like platform to move forward on the roads, on the pretty dry surface. But nobody could use this. Not, nobody used this advantage because of the shortage of the weapon. So we still. Oh, I see. So you're saying they, they they have the capacity to do it, but again, it's the shortage of weapons. That's why. So, yeah. for example, in the Kherson area, where we know they did go south and they did get over just over the river, that is not going to expand. There's not going to be an expansion in the near future because they simply haven't got what they need. Yeah. It's not because of the weather, because of the shortage of the weapon. And it's a design, is that because Russia is now throwing more weapons at it? So we've heard more about drone oh, attacks no. by Russia? No? No, definitely no. We know in the statistic. Russia can uh, accumulate renovated tanks, not more than 50 tanks per month. Uh, they are casualties in tanks, um, like in average, from 5 to 10 per day. So it's not because they produce. They have a lot of resources, but they're not uh, growing up. So that we have a lower rate in our amount of the weapons because we don't have enough, so, at least. So it seems like what you're saying is if the West was to step up its, its support and provide more hardware, this war could be, be this world war could be won. No, not completely. Nobody going to allow uh, Russia conquer Ukraine and to call its territory. No, for sure. But nobody going to allow Ukraine to win because of their policy. I think the biggest mistake, international uh, policy of Ukraine. All mistakes they made, we can went through them if you would like to. <clears throat> and all interests of West. So you're saying there's Again, an interest from the West in this war not being won. Is that what you're saying? I think it's just uh, about surveillance uh, and money, and that's it. Just profitable or not profitable? Okay. I mean, let, let, well, we can talk about the West motivations, perhaps. But in terms of Ukraine itself, so if it is stuck in this position, it doesn't have enough weapons, it can hold the line for the moment against the Russians. What happens next? Is there a negotiated way out of this then? 100%. 100%. And actually, uh, the, our uh, foreign the forereign minister said, so that uh, actually he officially stated that West will force us to sit at the table and negotiate till fall. But I think that's going to be much faster. Mm. So you think there will be a negotiated solution. But if there is, is Russia then allowed to keep some of the territory it's taken? They, Russia right now, like a, a piece of pie. So they are on, on top right now. They try to offer and they, they try to trade their interest between China and West. Whoever are going to make a deal agreement, for example, right now they negotiate with the CIA. And again, they, know, they are not hiding that process with Narishkin and someone else officials, uh, the speaker, I guess, speaker of the... Narishkin is who? Uh, Narishkin is a speaker 
And another person, uh, Patrushev. Uh, Patrushev, uh, I forgot what he leads, but actually he, he tends to be second person in the government after Putin. So he pretends to be. Right. Yeah, so it's pretty key. So there are Russians who are moving towards some sort of negotiations on this at the moment. Yeah, they try, yeah, they try to sell, uh, for example, they have a lot of to sell. They're going to compare the amount what Russia can bring to the West, and basically they are closer uh, to the West civilization than to East. Uh, so definitely they can offer raw materials. They can give approach to the Arctic belt. So they have uh, they have a lot of, to offer. So they, uh, in comparison with Ukraine, Ukraine can offer just resources and that's it. But Russia can offer more resources. If needed to, Putin, they can replace. If not needed, so it's not it's fine. Why it's not needed? Because he's the key person. He holds the power. He holds the state. His orders are executed for sure. Yes, he's... So to be absolutely clear what you're saying here, Igor, you're saying that behind the scenes, or perhaps not that much behind the scenes, the West is opening talks with the Russians to find some sort of negotiated way out of this war right now. Right. So it sounds like the negotiation then is what the West wants rather than what Ukraine wants. Uh, again, uh, they not the West doesn't want like it, uh, just itself negotiation. They want to get profit. The in negotiation, just an instrument. Want to get safety, profit, and uh, in the future to fulfill their to fulfill their strategy. But the West, the West has, dictate, has, has, has said that it wants it wants ukraine to win that has been absolutely clear publicly by the us the eu the uk they've all said we want ukraine to win this one and you're saying that that's not true yeah. anymore yeah uh, i knew you wanted to ask that question but it's again uh, i'm just uh, i'm a realist person so if you're going to have a look at the amount of mathematics it doesn't it, it doesn't match these proclaimed statements so they say, yeah, that's true. But in the same time, they didn't move out their capital. They didn't give enough weapon. They still didn't allow us to uh, this spring, not the spring, but this uh, summer to hit something on Russian territory. They didn't give us attacks. They didn't give anything. But they do they have abilities? Yeah, I can bring all the statistics they have. They have 400 uh, million shells. Well, they were difficult to deliver at least one million, but they promised no. Thirty tanks from uh from US, five thousand uh, they have in the year. So, so you're saying they're starving Ukraine of these resources deliberately, is what you're saying? Yeah, of course they can't say officially. Nobody say, oh, okay, you know, yeah, you know, we're gonna push our interests and we're gonna follow our direction that we just created like ten years ago, our strategy. And this strategy, maybe some interest of Ukraine will match our interest. And so, in terms of this line, so yeah, we, we're definitely gonna help them out if they're gonna say that. They will not be <laughs> at the power anymore. So if the U.S. So, is starving the resources in the hope that this war will reach some sort of truce, what is in it for yeah. what is in it for the U.S. in 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 reaching that arrangement? So they they, they already say that uh, as long as Ukraine want to fight, we're going to support them. Do they support? Yeah. Do they support? Do they support enough to win? No. Like to remain this territory? Yes. Uh, what, what what it could be? Russia wants to get maximum, maximum just five regions. What they partially occupied it, and some of them are not partially. So five regions. What uh, U.S. wants to hold this conflict, to freeze this conflict, to stop it, negotiate, to change in Russia uh, the head leader, the power, and to start pull them towards them and making them a rival. Maybe with another state, but anyway, make them a rival. Make it clear so they will not be. Uh, uh, straight confrontation. So let's make it safe. 
let's say, line in Ukraine with 100 kilometers, put NATO block on there and control this territory, move out, like back out all the weapons. And so that's how they can control this territory. So um, you're saying the United States wants a kind of frozen conflict, in yeah, effect. Yeah, looks like... Something where not, no one's being killed, but nothing much is happening. Yeah, yeah, just remain as is, and that's it. Okay, now what, what we haven't heard in any of this is what does Ukraine want? What does President Zelensky want? Is is President Zelensky in a strong position to mm. dictate what comes out does, of this? And, is he st- and has he still got that support domestically? Because he has all the way along been this is an all-or-nothing conflict. I mean, he's not going to want to back out or freeze the situation. He's, he's, you know, going for the whole thing. Right. And if you allow me a few minutes to uh, explain why, and then, yeah, I'm going to answer on that question. So why is that happened? Because uh, of the lo- lack of the decision in international level. So they didn't build the government, the Ukrainian government didn't build the, uh, the as a state on a state level, the country on a state level. Why? In Bulgaria, there was no needed to create the schematic, shady schematic to deliver some weapon, but needed to create some uh, contracts. They say about contracts, but n- nothing has been uh, signed and nothing has been created till nowadays. In from 2014, so war still still in the hot, like st- still remains. Right? Uh, we didn't create any any tanks any aircrafts, any vessels that support any helicopters. Do we have this infrastructure? Yes. Can we uh, Can we build this on in, in Poland and Bulgaria, in Hungary? Can we eliminate all discrepancies and all the uh, confrontation with Poland? Yes, historical confrontation. Why they didn't do that? They didn't do that. They rejected all projects with China before the, this the huge war before 2022. They rejected all the projects with China. So would it be uh, better to invite China, Great Britain, Saudi Arabia, any uh, other allies, and to have them have some piece of pie, which is Ukrainian resources and everything, the infrastructure as well, and at the same time to protect country. So they will protect, they will be a rival. What happened right now? So Ukraine just tried to sell itself, whoever going to pay, and rules by moderators from external power. So they don't build still corruption on a huge level. So they don't produce any, any like, you know, any, any shell. For four, eight, six years, they couldn't do anything. So that's why they, they actually he he is in a bad position right now. He just, so, so why is Zelensky in a bad position? What is what is the problem with his support? Uh, uh, the problem he just trying to demand that everyone has to support Ukraine, but you have to first build this relation that other country wants to be a rival, wants to uh, let's say he overlapping interest in Ukraine by like uh, by German uh, overlapping interests from Germany on France. So on one statement, he said, oh yeah, Armenia has to has to have their Karabakh in their own possession. And on the other hand, Azerbaijan supported us. Nobody wants to come to Ukraine uh, on, on February, I guess. Yeah, and uh, uh, Aliyev, had leader of Azerbaijan, yeah. he said that we support, we with you. Turkey, again, why they, you know, some have some contradictions with Turkey. Turkey supported us. So they don't have to just demand so you're saying Zelensky hasn't handled this very well, hasn't handled his yeah, international relationships well. Definitely. Sign the contracts, uh, talk to the Hungary. Why well, didn't talk? Or oh, said, okay, so please Great Britain or United States push on Hungary uh, and make them silence and support us, whatever you call, whatever, whatever costs you. But they own, they, they have some interests. They have so, certain projects. 
So it sounds like, I mean, it's at a very simplistic level, it's all been about, well, we've got to win this war because otherwise, what will Putin do next? And that was sort of what uh, won the argument with the West. But it sounds like what you're saying is there's not been enough of a discussion about, well, say we do win, what what does the world look like then? What is, uh, what is our, you know, what, what are our relationships beyond that? I think change power in uh, in Russia. Right now, they say uh, we like they give a hint. The Russia officials, if you need uh, to make some adjustments, we can make. We can negotiate. We need access to trade our raw materials. We need access to finance market, and we want to cooperate with you. Uh, why U.S. is not very interested into that? Because Ukraine will be very good instrument to control Russia. If Russia goes too far or not obey, so they don't want to, you know, they play their own game, uh, can be pushed, like, let's say, West can push on Ukraine and can remain those sanctions. And what, uh, anything, like, not mm. just sanctions, but in general, in politician uh, world, in political world, so they can just push on them. This is just control well, them I, through Ukraine. I, I see what you're saying about that relationship and and. and... This kind of they mutually need each other. But still, coming back to Ukraine itself, you're saying President Zelensky's in a weak position. So he will have to accept a deal that means that some parts of Ukraine effectively are now going to be run by Russia in the future. Is, is that what you're saying? According to numbers, what we have right now on the table and we can see the amount of help. Yes, just according to that. Do we have perspective to win? Definitely, yes. Uh, well, you're saying you're saying it's according to the numbers. So the numbers that you're referring to are the the numbers in terms of how much weaponry that is that there is, and how many how many people there are to be able to win territory. Are they the numbers that you're talking about? Uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. I can give you mm-hmm. like exact numbers. What's the illusion? No, no, but, but the numbers you're saying are the ones that are the resources essentially that are there. But, but yeah. going back to Zelensky, so. If if he has to come to some sort of solution that involves the loss of so much territory from Ukraine, yeah. can he stay in power? Is it, it, will will the politics resume as normal in Ukraine? Is that is that what's going to happen? No, definitely no. And uh, actually, that's going to be again profitable for for the peace treaty. So why it's going to be very difficult to sit them at the same table, Putin. And Zelensky. It's very difficult. It would be very difficult. It's 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 personal attitude. So almost impossible, I should think. Possibly, yeah. But it would be better to have another state, another you know officials, another point of view, and so people can can you know eat this bait. So yeah, it's something. Else. So will Putin will Putin be sitting at that table though? <laughs> As uh, I don't know, conspiracy theory said that there are three Putins, but it doesn't matter. Putin like <laughs> Putin actually uh, yeah contains this strategy. Will it be Putin? Will it be partnership? Doesn't matter. For mm. business, it would be better not having Putin there. But for remaining. Uh, Russia as a as a as a state because nobody is interested that Russia just fall apart right away and it's going to be chaos. So yeah, they it's accept, acceptable for hundred percent, but not Zelensky. Zelensky maybe for first step of negotiation, maybe with the third countries, yes, but again not eventually. So it all sounds a bit depressing, but most depressing out of all of it is almost that like, this is a country which is almost getting chalked up to meet the interests of everybody apart from from the country yeah. itself unfortunately yeah and yeah. i wonder i wonder whether the west has has learned a bit is cautious about all of this because there's been so many cases in the past where they've helped a power and then that power has turned 
to a force for evil. I'm not saying that that would be the case for Zelensky, but this this big fear that if you give a country too much control, then that is a, the West sees that as a dangerous situation. Do you think that's part of what's going on here? Yeah, exactly. But again, the uh, West part of the world, they consider everything from the business perspective. And unfortunately, they say uh, different things. So they say, yeah, we're gonna we're gonna protect you, we're gonna with you, we're gonna stay with you as long as we can. But we have some difficulties with delivering your help, but everything. Uh, but just the numbers, thirty tanks. <laughs> and what, what about what, the, what about the people tanks. of Ukraine? I mean, what's their attitude towards Zelensky? As they see, you know, the the, the number of people. I mean, what is it? A hundred thousand people are the numbers I've heard. If I had a hundred thousand on each side, as the number of people killed, but who knows? Uh, certainly, a hundred thousand yeah. out of thirty-seven million is uh, is more than a hundred thousand out of what one hundred and forty million, or however many people are in Russia. So, I mean, people must reach a point where they start saying, "Well, enough." You know, we've seen so many of our relatives being killed. Support for this war domestically has got to start to wane at some point, hasn't it? Well, Ukraine actually uh, stands for, as, as I see, it, Ukraine stands for Zelensky because my cousins right now are fighting on the front line. One of them in uh, infantry, one of them is in artillery. So everyone is ready. Everyone is ready, like to turn Russia's apart. So they still ready. They can move back. So they they want revenge. So they ready to fight. Maybe some other people who wants to have just a peaceful life. But again, they are not, uh, maybe they are majority, who knows? That's very interesting that the, 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 the feeling is still as strong as but that. They would be horrified, wouldn't they? I mean, your cousins, the idea that for all the fighting that's gone on, this ends with some sort of truce where they haven't won. And really, as you say, the, the interests perhaps in that truce are perhaps less about their own country. So they say huge massacre, and they don't understand why we have shortage of weapon if everyone said in the world that we support you. So this is the only thing they say. Interesting. We can consider it from the weak part, from the strong part, but this is the truth, what they say, and not just they have a lot of relatives. And actually, I am uh, a first-class lieutenant in artillery in reserve, so I know what they are talking about. And I think I think it's and, true, Eagle, uh, also. Didn't you serve or had some experience in the Russian forces? Is that right? Oh, Russian forces, <laughs> it's, it's a different, it's totally different story. But what, I'm fluent in Russian language, but... but I, the, well, the question I wanted to ask is, what about the other side? What about the Russian military, the Russian setup? Do you think they can keep going as well? Because obviously the Russian losses are huge, um, and, and a lot of there's been a lot of discontent about the way the Russian forces have operated, uh, a lot of internal discontent, as we know from the Prigozhin mutiny. Do you think they can keep going or not? Yeah, very good question. Actually, it's a pretty simple answer. Yes, 100% yes, because if you have a look at the history, how uh, USSR won Second World War, if you're the soldier in the trench, so then you want to go in front of the line, doesn't matter, they're going to kill you, and that's it. Nobody knows the truth. So they still live They still live with the idea that we need to help Russians who are in Ukraine. They're struggling because of the Nazi. See how propaganda is well. They, actually, the ex-KGB rulers, they still live in the country. And they, in the propaganda, they're masters. Cabals is, you know, it's just a kid. So, <laughs> so you think the Russians will keep going just because they believe all these things they are told yeah. by Yeah, just by because of the propaganda. Mm-hmm. And yeah. despite the losses, because there's so many have been despite killed. Despite the losses. No, doesn't matter. Doesn't matter. Despite the losses, nobody lo- nobody knows about these losses. Just we know about that. Right, but but, m- but meanwhile, you're saying behind the scenes, Russia is talking to the West and saying oh, yeah. that we will will arrive at some sort of amicable solution that's going to stop this war. 
And so so Russia wins in, from from that point of view. Putin saves face. He's negotiated a uh, an arrangement where he's won. The West sees less of a war and, um, well, bad like Ukraine. And all those people who fought and lost their lives, that 100,000 people, including your cousins, have been fighting for nothing. Well, yeah, all treaties actually um, signed in history, if we're going to have a look, for expenses of weak. Who is the weak? Ukraine. Just resources. Just again, maybe it's not a popular statement. I don't know. Maybe some other people are gonna say that uh, I'm. I don't support. I don't believe. No, I'm considering everything through numbers. If that, I, I would be more than happy if that happened. That uh, if uh, West start like giving us what we need, at least for remain in this territory. But we try to you know be creative. You know to to be to create some. Um, robotic small cars on remote control and deliver some some weapon to Russia trenches. You know, it's, it's insane. I don't know. It's we, we don't use military industry. We just create ourselves. So I am I'm trying to expose the drawbacks and trying to expose that uh, these it's not ideology, new ideology support Ukraine, support democracy. It's not true, basically. It's not because the Ukraine or something like that. It's a it's a common theme that appears from the uh facts that we just mentioned. And also do, do you feel do you feel angry, Igor, that, that, that all the promises that the West made then are not being fulfilled? Does that make you feel that your country has been betrayed um by the West? Uh, on the first hand, like on the first feeling that I just got my mind on, so yeah, definitely I can, like I can't consider in that way. But in general, if uh, in my occupation, I do a lot of research. I work in international relations and try to stick with this path. And also working at my PhD and uh, all my ten years, I try to under- not to try to understand, but see. But you can't divide if you are on a diplomatic way. If you work with international institutions, UK said you can't say by according to ideology something bad, something wrong. No, it's not. It's not that way. It's because of the interest. So you have to build your strategy, your next steps to match some interest, even if it's allies. You can't just say, you know, oh, I want to win. I want to demand the helps <laughs> and everything to help from you and everything. You can't just demand. You have to work at that and match interests. Right. So I'm still unclear. I'm still unclear about what those interests are from the United States or most of the West then, apart from is it just a case of simply, well, you know, with Russia, we don't want to poke the bear. We don't want them to get angry. We want to try and get to a situation yeah. where we reach peace. Is that it? Is it as, as much, is that basically the, the end line? No, it's not it at all. It just, uh, for now, that's it. Okay, they have a they have a platform to negotiate. They have do they have still do the West uh, still gonna have uh, the instrument to push on Russia just in case they are not obey or yes they do. Do they have uh, all the resources and a rival, potential rival against China? Yeah. Will they remain Russia strong enough, but not enough to move forward to West, but strong enough to be you know as a watchman close to Afghanistan, Turkmenistan close to China, remain these borders. Yeah, for now, yeah. Pretty clear. So you see they, they so you see, so you see, NATO bases moving into Ukraine, for example? Not the bases, but actually, you know, they're just the peacemakers from mm. different sides. Mm. Not the right. base, peacekeepers. Base, right. Mm-hmm. Right. Okay, right. I mean, as we draw this, this to a conclusion, Igor, as a Ukrainian, what do you think will happen in if we were to take 
two years, three years, yeah, well, the four years. Of events would be interesting. So if you so if you think Zelensky, for example, will be replaced and some treaty will be arrived at, which of those two things happens first? Does Zelensky have to go before you can arrive at that uh, that treaty, and and mm-hmm. who's going to replace him? Oh, good question. You want me to anticipate? Okay, let's predict that. <laughs> okay, so uh, what we see right now, Kuleba, foreign ministry, he said. We will go to that point that West forced us to make a treaty. Zelensky said we need another piece of uh, help. He wants to remain in his position and he wants, to, he wants to survive. He said, oh, whether we need some new elections or no, maybe we have to like to push it away, this idea, because of the war. A lot of people just moved out from the country and we had to keep up somehow. So it's going to be difficult. Maybe we're going to hold in that position. If he holds a country in in the right situation, in that situation what we have right now, uh, he will be forced to, to send the treaty because of the reasons we discussed before. Just a supportive fact for that, he just moved to uh, to Spain, asked about a full launcher system to defense air. For president, can you imagine, can president go there to ask for launcher system? So he asked for a launcher uh, system from Spain? Yeah. Just four of them. The president is a, is a president mm. at that level. Definitely no. So definitely he's losing his positions as every day. Yeah. So either or, uh, that's going to be a treaty mm. with him or without him. And how quickly or, is that going to happen? Is that going to be a 2024 thing? Yeah, within the next year. And uh, before elections, I think, in the United States, because nobody going to ruin this atmosphere elections, because if uh, the war will remain that, so Democrats who lead right now all this process, especially supporting Ukraine, so they're going to lose their uh, score. So they can represent some good results. We stop the war. We sit them at the table. We stop conflict in Europe. We still have instrument push on Russia. Russia is under control. China will not take some part of Russia, maybe in the future, yeah, but not right now. So we bring peace. We solve the problem. Biden is nice president or somebody else from the Democratic Party. Everything is pretty tasty. It looks like tasty. It's a nice product. That, that, that works better. And your every, country... Everybody wins apart from the Ukrainians. Well, I was going to say, you know, looking forward, Igor, so yeah. we, we bring this to a conclusion. If you were to look two to three years out, you would see your country with bits taken out of it by Russia pretty much permanently. No, they will not allow to do that, for sure. So that's why these countries have to remain. They will force mm. Russia to mm. move out of the territory it's conquered. Eventually, presumably. Yes, through Ukraine. So that's why Ukraine conflict is profitable for them to uh, make it frozen. But if necessary, we just push it towards, let's say they start shooting to each other. And that's it, no matter who started first. So then we're going to push sanctions. We're going to maneuver with a, a lot of uh, you know restrictions for Russia. And that's how we school Russia. Like if I was a Western ruler, that's how we make them obey. Right. So this is a treaty that we're going to arrive at yeah. next year, which is going to see chunks of Ukraine which are disputed territory and it's good it's going to be that way for quite a while is what you're saying I think for now yeah, yeah. for now it's very profitable for now to the wide to the wide resources to deliver a chain of delivery of supplying resources to make Russia obey and be right uh, be, be ally with Western world so we just like maneuvering and Putin they actually brought in this conflict West won because of they have they, they they do have their their uh, interest they still not kicked out from their plans 
Putin, he won. He actually got what he wanted. For now, he he don't he can't go forward. So everything is pretty okay for now. Seems like. And in meanwhile, this conflict, we can force Russia to be a little bit obey to West and make them ally to West again. Right, Igor against China. We're going to have to leave yeah. it there. But thank you very much for talking to us. Um, not a particularly optimistic scenario, perhaps, but uh, a realistic one. Perhaps yeah. a realistic one. No, no. Sorry, yeah, I'm trying to point out on mistakes, not to predict like something sure. that for yeah. So the, yeah. if we can fix this mistake in this year, so everything should be cool, and we, we will, will we will take those territories back. Igor, thank you so yes, much for talking to us. Really appreciate your time. I hope uh, my information would be helpful for you and some. Uh, it's very helpful and very interesting. Thank you for doing yeah, it. Sure. Thank you. Well, look, I mean, it, it, it's hard sometimes yes. to understand his accent, but the gist of what he's saying there is, is Ukraine's going to be forced into a settlement, essentially, yeah, and, yeah. and or some kind of temporary. And also, thing. that the West is almost been playing that yeah. game along the way yeah. by holding back the amount of weaponry. And I'm sure if you spoke to most countries, they would flatly deny that and say, well, look at the amount but of stuff get, yeah. that we're providing. But clearly, but not I think enough. It is, it is a feeling up. in Ukraine. It's been, I've heard it from other places, the suggestion mm. they're just not getting what they want yeah. or need. And part of the reason is that they're being pushed into a settlement. So how long have we been talking to Russia mm. about this and saying, mm. well, look, we won't provide quite enough. Mm. So no one's going to win. It's going to be a stalemate and we'll negotiate. How long has that been going on for? Is that If that's what happens well if that is, is that indeed the way what's the world happening works? yeah no, it's an interesting perspective and from a ukrainian so mm. there we are anyway next week we're going to be talking about something very different which yeah, is the planet and yeah. uh, how it's getting ruined by uh you know by mankind and yeah. uh, cop 28 we are up to the un climate summit will be underway yeah and lots of questions have been raised but one of the big questions really is how far can whatever does happen in terms of trying to deal with this problem be led by the economics? And if it isn't led by the economics, will it happen at all? Well, it's happening in the United Arab Emirates. Well, I yes. mean, you know, what can you say about that? No, you know, I mean, that they you know, are part of the problem, obviously. I mean, we well, let them be part of the problem because we, 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 buy, their we fuel. buy their fuel. Yes. Exactly. Yes, and maybe they have an interest or two in... Um, Maintaining that. You could you could perhaps think that. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we'll be talking about that and how the economics stacks up as a way of dealing with this. If you follow the money, will it in the end be the answer? because there will be economic necessity to get this right. We'll talk about all that next week. On the uh, on the YKEV. Thanks for listening. I forgot it. I did, yeah. Okay. <laughs> Too many Don't podcasts. You forget it. The YKEV next right. week. See you then. Bye. The Y. Curve.